I just fell in love with just the process, the making part, more so than the finished product. And I think um, I still feel that way today, especially when I'm engaged uh, in a work, you lose grasp of time and nothing else matters. Lark Allen III is a graduate of Cranbrook Academy of Art, where he received his MFA in print media in 2014. Allen is non-discriminatory when working with materials and actively engages in various forms of drawing, sculpture, painting, and printmaking. A current Saginaw, Michigan resident, he is an active proponent of health and well-being within communities and attempts to reveal this advocacy through his artwork. Allen's current exhibition, From Africa to Eternity, is now on display at the Saginaw Art Museum through July 1st. Well, Lark, thank you so much for being on the podcast here today and um, sharing your work with the Saginaw Art Museum uh, through the From Africa to Eternity exhibition. Um, we've had an incredible reception uh, to your work, and it's it's fascinating. I, I have the pleasure of getting to see it every day, and uh, every time I find something new. Um, but I'd like to go back a little bit and hear sort of the story of what um, what got you started making art and uh, so, some of the origin of um, what inspires you to continue that art. Okay, uh, I want to start by uh, saying thank you for having me. In terms of starting making art, when I was really young, I started like making art like six to seven is the earliest I can remember. And I'm originally from Elberton, Georgia, which is a small community in North Georgia. And I had the support of the whole community pretty much. And um, so it, it started really young. I did murals for my elementary school and all of that. And um, as I got a little older, I kind of got out of it a little bit because I guess I was trying to do different things, but it never went away, you know? When I was at my downest moments, I would always pick up a pencil or pen and doodle or draw or whatever. So it was always with me. I'd love to hear a little bit more about um, some of that support you had from the community when you were growing up. Did that happen in your own home or uh, throughout, throughout the community? Uh, tell me more about uh, that. Mainly throughout the community. Um, you know, I lived in the kind of household where, in terms of my parents, they were working so much, you know, that they really couldn't spend that quality time. They expected you to have good grades and stuff like that, but in terms of, like, the quality time and nurturing your talents, they really couldn't do it, even though they knew I was had talent. Um, so a lot of people in the community, like teachers and just People I knew, they would always support me and, you know, and I would do projects for them, you know, when they requested or whatever. So the support has always been there. Was there a particular medium that you found most attractive when you first started making art um, uh, in your youth? And then um, how did that evolve from there uh, to what you're doing now? You know, I suppose like most people that start out in art, it was all about drawing. And so for the most part, that's really the only thing I had the resources to do. I really didn't think about doing anything else. I didn't think about painting. I didn't think about sculpture and all the other areas, uh, genres that, you know, that come with um, being an artist. So that kind of changed for me. Um, 
really didn't change for me until I went to college. That's when it changed for me somewhat. And I was like, there's more to this. And I took a sculpture class. They were offering sculpture at my community college for the first time. I took a sculpture class. And for some reason, it was one of those things that I just felt I could do, you know? And so, I think the rest is history. Yeah. So, I think really that's where it started, just me being introduced and coming in contact, you know, just with the right person at the right time. And that's kind of been kind of like the roadmap of my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how, um, you know, there's, there's point, points along the way. That's what I'm hearing you say is different people along the way have, have inspired you and, and sort of pushed you onto that next level in, in, in your creative uh, endeavors. When you started, uh, you know, in this sculpture class, did you have a concept that it would evolve into the kind of work that you're doing now uh, with these uh, masks that you're creating? Uh, no, no, it's totally different, but very similar because it's all about the process. Um, when I took the sculpture class, I just fell in love with just the process, the making part, more so than the finished product. And I think, um, I still feel that way today, especially when I'm engaged, uh, in a work, you, you lose grasp of time and nothing else matters. So let's um, talk a little bit about uh, the work that you're doing with these masks now and, and the process that you go through um, to create, uh, create these masks that are uh, essentially from found and discarded objects. Um, when, did, when did that concept or idea come to you? And can you describe a little bit more about, about the process of making the masks? I've never ever thought about working that way, um, never crossed my mind until I got to college. Actually, I left the junior college. I graduated and I transferred to um, Clark Atlanta University. Anybody that's familiar with um, Clark Atlanta University, they're under an umbrella, a consortium of, of other colleges like Morehouse, Spelman, uh, I think it's a theological institute, ITC and used to be Morris Brown. So many other students um, cross-register for courses. Uh, for example, at my particular institution, we didn't have sculpture there. You had to take sculpture at Spelman. Um, so by the luck of the draw, um, I met my sculpture teacher, Toby Martin, the late Toby Martin, and who also who actually, that's who I'm influenced by in terms of working in a diachronic way. Uh, he made diachronic sculptures and really liked the challenging part about his class because he just had one class. You had to make eight different sculptures out of eight different materials. That was the class. And so he actually adopted that model from his predecessor, George Beasley, who was a Cranbrook alum that founded the sculpture department at Georgia State University. So it's kind of strange how things fall into place, but that's kind of that's what's my path. 
And to revert back to that very first sculpture class I took at the other college, uh, my instructor was Don Dugan. He was also taught by George Beasley. And he and Toby Martin were classmates in graduate school, so nobody knew this. Nobody knew that I knew them. They didn't know that I knew them or, you know, it was, it was just a strange thing. Yeah, so. So being in his course and having to be challenged to work with different mediums and, and different materials, and, and he would walk you through every process, and, and from that point on, you was on your own. So, so in that one class, I, I learned woodworking, mold making, um, welding, uh, really can't found objects, making found object stuff, doing, we had to do sculptures from nature. So, so taking this course really opened my eyes on the possibilities of, of creating. Yeah. Well, it, it's almost as though, um, that, uh, that need to work, like to create eight, eight different masks from different objects you know it, it gave you a little bit of a lane but there's also a lot of creativity that's within that within that lane uh, to to figure out new things and and here you are sort of putting all those pieces together well yeah it's kind of when i'm when i make things usually i don't know where i'm going you know it's it's kind of like a um almost like a, a, a dance. So you, you're trying to, you're trying to figure out what direction to go, but the more I'm engaged in the process, the more things just seem to fall in place. And I use my intuition a lot in terms of um, knowing what's enough and what's not, you know. Yeah, I think that's an interesting idea, of, especially with the kind of work that you're doing is when to make the decision about, is this done or is this not done? Tell me a little bit more about, about how, how that thought process works or, or um, you know, you, you, you mentioned in, intuition, but uh, you also have this, this deep training of how materials work. And uh, I'd love for you to comment on sort of how, how that end process works and is it done is it not done okay um very good question um the end process you you kind of know uh, when it's done at least i do in my eyes um i've never made or at least in my opinion overly saturated work even though i'm trying to get to that point um without taking away from what's underneath. Um, but you never really know. It, when, when I work, I'm no different than anybody else. You know, I get stumped on projects. I'm, I'm usually working at about, on about five things at one time. Uh, that's just the way my brain operates. And I'm, so when I... Um, when I'm lost, as far as ideas, I just move to the next project, so I have to keep working. Yeah, I've had other guests on on the podcast that talk about this element of 
just making things like continuing to make things and not get too hung up on uh, a, a problem because otherwise you just end up spinning your wheels and is, is that a, a fair description of of what happens in your in your process exactly and and it's no different than a writer you know you hear a writer writer's block or, or whatnot you know writers have to get up and they have to do something else and so it's basically the same situation um, with me, when I leave a project, I'm always thinking about that project, even if I'm doing something else. I'm trying to figure out how I can solve a particular creative problem or whatnot. You know, if there's an unfinished project that I have, I'm always thinking about it, whether I'm working on something else or at the grocery store. So, so that's pretty much... Um, my process yeah almost almost like you have a parallel brain like the the one part of you is doing one thing and the other part's thinking about whatever you're trying to solve yeah, yeah that's fantastic yeah it's not it's definitely not good when you when your wife is asking you questions about <laughs> stuff <laughs> yeah yeah I, uh, I can i can imagine there could be a, a a little bit of uh yes dear but not not always hearing right yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny um so with uh, the uh, current exhibition um, From Africa to, to Eternity, tell me a little bit more about the title uh, that's been selected for this exhibition and, and a little bit of that background. Well, uh, my brother and I um, came up with the title and I didn't do much research on the title. Uh, comes to find out someone else has you know, has used that title and actively, you know, collects um, objects um, similar to um, Kevin Jones. Um, but the title, Africa to Eternity, uh, to Eternity, I wanted uh, to convey some type of message of there being a, uh, a bridge, you know, like bridging a gap, so to speak. Um, and the series is completely, is totally about um, uh, black diasporans. And, um, and I felt it was important because, um, because there are issues that's going on with um, black diasporans that are not going on with anybody else. So I felt it was important to show that link, but also show a connection uh, to Africa. So that's been my intent when making these masks. Would you like to know about uh, more about the process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so stylistically, um, my intent is to stylistically, my intent is is for the mask to resemble ancient African masks, but. Um, but on the opposite side of the spectrum, it's very important for me to reveal um, my existence as an African-American. So, so that's where things like um, the technology, references to technology and consumerism and things like that come into play. So it's a, it's a, my hope is to create a balance. I don't know if I always do that, but that's pretty much where I'm centered. 
as far as beginning the process. It is interesting looking at the variety of objects that you've used in your mask and, and some of that focus on the, te the technology and, um, uh, you know, objects that have been discarded but were once seen as, as, as valuable to somebody, you know, I mean, a, a digital camera isn't a small thing, uh, but it, it, that popularization of, of cameras has changed that because of the consumerism. Um, but at the same time, you have some more uh, very traditional kinds of materials as well with um, the, the, the wood and um, uh, I'm thinking of um, some of the, the, the wrappers or, yeah. 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 So I, I feel it's important for me, at least in terms of a base or a foundation for those traditional materials to still be present underneath the layers of, of, of wherever I go with a particular piece. Um, if you had some advice for aspiring artists or young artists, what would you tell them? Oh, that's a great question. Um, do what you like to do. Most people know what they they like to do, but they don't think that's the path. Uh, that's the most important thing I can say about that. And also be willing to learn new things. You know, again, um, as I mentioned earlier, I was kind of fortunate in the people that I met um, because Honestly, my career probably would have took a totally different path because, because I can do so many things artistically, you know. But, you know, I was unhappy doing those things. You know, I can make paintings and, and, and you know, in various styles and or do traditional type stuff. But I, I wasn't getting a lot of gratification out of it. And um, so I would just say, just follow your heart. Uh, don't be afraid to do things that seem a little weird or outside of the box, you know, because it's, it's a, that's a part of you. And everybody has something unique to offer um, in terms of making art. That's the, that's the, um, I think that's the most valuable thing about being an artist. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, your writing style. Nobody can copy your writing style. So why would you try to write like somebody else? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, so that's the only advice I can give. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Temple Arts Podcast. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and making a donation to the arts through saginawartmuseum.org or templetheater.com. This will allow us to continue to bring enriching program to Saginaw and beyond.